Hey, Rarecast listeners, I wanted to tell you about a new program from Global Genes called Data DIY. Access to data is essential for advancing the understanding and treatment of rare diseases. The challenge for patient advocates and organizations is to be as savvy about data as researchers and clinicians. The Global Genes Data DIY program teaches organization leaders how to become empowered data owners and stewards. If you'd like to learn more about the program, attend an upcoming Data DIY workshop, or view resources, go to globalgenes.org forward slash data DIY. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Earlier this month, Origin Biosciences initiated a rolling submission with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for approval to market an experimental therapy to treat the ultra-rare metabolic condition molybdenum cofactor deficiency, or MOCD, type A. The condition manifests itself shortly after birth and leads to difficulty feeding and intractable seizures. Children with the condition have a median survival of three years, and those who live longer suffer irreversible damage to their central nervous system. The rolling submission comes about a year and a half after Bridge Bio acquired the therapy from Alexian Pharmaceuticals and formed Origin Biosciences to develop it. We spoke to Neil Kirby. CEO of Origin, about MOCD, how its synthetic enzyme cofactor works to treat it, and the plans for Origin beyond the submission for approval. Neil, thanks for joining us. Hi, very welcome. We're going to talk about MOCD, Origin Biosciences, and the company's efforts to bring a new therapy to treat this ultra-rare genetic neurological condition to market. Let's start with MOCD itself. What is it? How does it manifest itself? And how does it progress? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting disease. It, it's a devastating disease. Um, it's, uh, it occurs very early in life. You, you start seeing this uh, disease manifest itself very early in life. It's marked by... Uh, intractable seizures, it's uh, rapidly progressing neurodegenerative, uh, results in significant disability uh, over time, and unfortunately it uh, results in early lethality. What is the prognosis for today for someone who, who has the condition, and are there any treatment options that are available? Yeah, there's no real treatment options that tackle the disease at its source. Uh, you know, the prognosis for these patients is bad. Um, you know, we, we recently uh, published some data around a natural history study, uh, which really indicated that the median survival for uh, patients with MOCD type A is about four years. And are they... Treated with existing anticonvulsants, do those have any effect on, on seizures? 
they they are treated with uh, anticonvulsants and and at times they can be effective but it doesn't really address the root cause of the disease obviously and um as time progresses the the damage to the brain gets worse and worse and uh um, at, at a point, the other seizures stop because uh, there's just no activity going on uh, in the brain. How is MOCD generally diagnosed? And, and given that seizures are central to the way the disease manifests itself, is there reason to believe it's often misdiagnosed? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. And of course, it has been misdiagnosed over the years. Um, and it is sometimes difficult to get a differential diagnosis uh, uh, because, you know, it, it can be confused with other uh, reasons for those seizures. And so that's one of the things that we're really working very hard on uh, is to find a way to diagnose these patients uh, as early as we can because it's quite obvious to us that uh, time is brain. Uh, the longer that patients are left untreated, the worse the damage will become. And so it's vital that we treat these patients just as soon as we can, within days of birth. And so we're working very hard to make sure that we can identify as many patients as possible. And it's quite possible that in the past there have been patients who've been misdiagnosed or missed completely. So it's a, it's a real challenge. Given that, is there any reason to believe there may be a, a different prevalence of the condition than is thought? Yeah, I think, I think in this particular case, um, incidence is the most important thing here because we, we do need to treat very early in life. If, if, if we think about the prevalent population, they may be past the point at which we can make a difference with, uh, with our drug. So, it's quite possible, again, that the, the incidence is, is uh, larger than we first thought. I think it's fairly typical uh, of many uh, rare disease uh, drugs, that once drugs are approved for a particular indication, it, it almost seems as if the incidence and prevalence increases, whereas um, you know, it's just a matter of patients have an option. There are things to treat these patients with, so... Perhaps physicians look a little harder. They spend a little more time in diagnosis. So it is quite possible that there are more patients available to us than, than we first imagined. You alluded to a natural history study of MOCD type A that the company reported on in September. What did it find? Well, I, I think the, the most important thing is, is this median survival. Um, that was important to us uh, to understand. And it also provided a lot of information that we can obviously use as, as a comparator to um, the, the patients that we've been able to treat with, with the drug. So it was a very important set of information that we were able to generate. This is a, a condition that results in an enzyme deficiency. Origins developing a synthetic enzyme cofactor to treat MOCD why pursue an enzyme cofactor as opposed to an enzyme replacement strategy? Well, in, in this particular case, the, the biology lends itself to um, the, the cofactor replacement, which is a small molecule, um, rather than the enzyme per se. Um, this is a 
uh, a disease that is uh, caused specifically by a mutation in uh, one particular gene that results in a deficiency of of uh, the molybdenum cofactor. So we're just adding back the uh, the cofactor uh, into the uh, the normal paradigm that allows the the uh, the metabolism to proceed uh, somewhat normally. And how is it delivered? It's delivered intravenously. Uh, it's delivered intravenously every day. Um, and it's it, it's not an ideal situation, obviously. Uh, you would like there to be uh, other ways to administer the drug, and we're certainly looking at ways to make the drug available uh, in other formulations that may make it easier in the future for patients to receive treatment. Um, but, you know, we, we, we've heard from families of patients who are on drug that uh, it takes a while to get used to uh, dosing every day uh, intravenously, but um, after a while it becomes um, not, a great, not as great a burden as one might think it would be. Still, this crosses the blood-brain barrier? It's a small molecule, so uh, it gets to the right place, yeah. And I take it this would be administered daily over the lifetime of the patient? That's correct. Well, let's take a step back and talk about where Origin came from. Bridge Bio formed Origin in June 2018 to develop this therapy. Your, your candidate was acquired from Alexian Pharmaceuticals. What has clinical testing shown and what's known about the therapy to date? Yeah, we did acquire this from uh, Alexion. Um, we were obviously attracted to it because of the, the quality of the work that was done uh, by our colleagues at Alexion and the, the data from the, the specifications that were treated. Um, you know, we're, we're right in the middle of our um, NDA filing right now. We we just announced that we uh, started the rolling submission. Um, we do have breakthrough designation uh, from the FDA, so that gives you an idea that the data that has been generated is exciting to both us and to the regulators. Uh, and because we're in that process of filing the NDA, we're, we're not really talking a great deal about the, the data per se. We will be publishing some additional data um, but perhaps I can illustrate um, how this drug can affect a patient's life with, with a particular example of one patient. Sure. So I, I'll tell you about a, a patient that um, uh, is in the United Kingdom, in the UK, in the Midlands. And um, this is a, a child that um, was diagnosed very quickly. Uh, and it's an interesting story as to how the, how the baby was diagnosed and why they were aware of the disease. Um, you know, this was a, uh, a child that, that showed a, a startle response, um, which seemed a little bit excessive. And again, like a lot of rare diseases, it takes some very smart people uh, and committed doctors who look after these babies every day to recognize that there was something wrong, and nurses, by the way, to recognize that there was something wrong with this child. And they did blood tests, and they did uh, urine analysis, and they found out that there were high levels of sulfite, uh, 
which are indicative of, of MOCD. And uh, they were able to diagnose this child at uh, day three of life, at least diagnosis on the basis of biochemical markers. And um, it, it's interesting that this family, this, these parents were told of the diagnosis and the doctor treating um, the baby said, please don't go to the internet and, and look at this disease because it, it, it's, it's going to be, it would be scary for you to see what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, he was uh, the doctor treating uh, this baby essentially said, you know, go make the most of the time that you've got left with this child. And there was some uh, work done by the, the parents as well as the, the treating physician and recognized that there was a, a drug available, experimental medicine was available. And actually dosing was initiated on day four of life. So one day after biochemical diagnosis, the, the baby started therapy. And the mother said almost immediately, uh, the child started to mellow out. You know, it was it was like a different baby. And within a week, uh, the mother said, you know, she had what was almost a new baby. She had a new baby back. And uh, you know, the the point here is that, and the and the parents made the point that this early diagnosis saved this child's life. And the baby is not so much a baby now; is two years old and. Uh, goes to play groups and uh, he does have a little bit of, uh, of uh, delayed speech, uh, but he crawls and uh, he's starting to stand. So, again, if you would ask the parents, it's uh, this child now has a completely normal life. Um, so that gives you an idea of, of what can be achieved with early diagnosis and early therapy in, in patients with uh, MOCD type A. There are practical and, and ethical challenges to doing a clinical trial for an ultra-rare condition without a therapeutic option available. Are, are you able to submit data as a, a single-arm trial with a natural history comparator? You know, we, we've been working very closely with the FDA uh, on how we're going to be analyzing the data and what the, the totality of the data looks like. And certainly that natural history data is an important part of our, um, of our comparator uh, situation. You know, it, it's also helpful sometimes uh, to look at uh, siblings. Um, you know, I'll give you an, another example of a a baby that was dosed again in the in the UK, interestingly enough, uh, and this was a a baby who had a sibling who also uh, had MOCD type A, um, who unfortunately passed away at the age of nine months. Um, treatment was started uh, day seven in this particular child, uh, and uh, this child is now ten years old and uh, is swimming and enjoys playing on the PlayStation uh, like a, a, a fairly typical 10-year-old. So that particular patient is a very good example of how you can compare the outcome to uh, a, a genotypically matched sibling. This in many ways seems to be a fairly typical bridge bio deal. For listeners not familiar with bridge bio, can you explain its approach? 
Absolutely. So Bridge Bio was uh, founded with the idea of pursuing uh, drugs uh, for rare diseases. Uh, and this is uh, one of the kinds of products that Bridge Bio is able to um, develop and uh, take to the market. Um, you know, Bridge's approach uh, is both looking at larger indications uh, and smaller indications. And in fact, the, the way that the subsidiaries uh, work with Central Bridge Bio allows us to do some of the programs and pursue some of the programs that perhaps traditional pharma, even uh, the smaller biopharma companies that have traditionally been involved in rare disease development, to take on programs that they wouldn't be taking on. Given that this is an ultra-rare condition, what's the economic case for pursuing this? How can you produce and market this in an economically sustainable way that makes sense for the company and, and payers and patients? Yeah, it, it, it's a great question. And, and you know, to, to us, the, the most important thing is obviously to, to make this drug available to as many patients as we can who need it. You know, we're, we're still taking a, a look at the way that pricing will work on this particular uh, molecule. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the tenet here is that we will make this available to as many patients as we can, and we will strive to do that. Um, I think that what makes it um, viable within the bridge biostructure is that we can leverage much of the infrastructure and the, um, the functional areas that are being put in place for some of the other subsidiaries. So again, it, it's, it's probably one of the, the kinds of drugs that bridge bio can pursue that other companies probably would not. Origin is in the process of a rolling new drug application submission to the FDA for approval of the drug. If you're successful, what's the future of Origin? Will it develop other therapies? Will it market this one? Our, our goal is, again, to, to keep reiterating, is to make this drug available to as many patients as possible. And we're certainly planning on, on uh, marketing this and commercializing this drug ourselves. Um, whether there are other ultra-orphan uh, products for uh, indications that we can leverage the expertise that we have within Origin and within BridgeBio in general uh, remains to be seen. I think that we'll certainly look at those opportunities. Um, to be honest with you, I, I think that there are a number of skills that we have developed and that we will develop. Uh, over the coming months and years that would put us in a very good position to, to take forward other ultra-orphan drugs, uh, possibly leveraging this notion of early diagnosis because I'm a, I'm a passionate believer in early therapy in a lot of rare diseases is probably better therapy. The earlier you can, you can get these drugs, many drugs, into patients, the more likelihood is you're going to make a bigger difference. So that's an area that, that we could be looking at in the future. Neil Kirby, CEO of Origin Biosciences. Neil, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. 
To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.